everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. We are here to discuss yet another demoralizing performance by Germany, this time against Poland. Man, I feel like I've just talked about demoralizing performances all the way through the last six months. Germany lost 1-0 to Poland. Newsflash, it was a retirement party for Jakub Blaszczykowski, of course, a longtime Dortmund player, a big uh, favorite in Germany and in Poland. Today, you're here with me, Samrin, and we also have Siler, a.k.a. no, Rayan, Rayan, a.k.a. Siler, rather, to discuss the game with us on his podcast debut. So I'll just run through the lineups for everyone quickly. Um, Germany started with a friendly, what was a 3-4-2-1, but who can tell anymore? With Rudiger Malik Chiao getting a debut and Tilo Kerr at the back with Ter Stegen in goal. Benjamin Heinrichs got a start. Kimmich and Khan, uh, Chan in midfield, Jonas Hoffman, a personal favorite of mine, started. Muziala Wirtz in front of them and Havertz up top. Poland went with a 5-3-2, and I don't need to tell you that Lewandowski was up there. Um, in terms of the progression, well, um, yeah, so Poland had a set piece, Poland scored. Germany did a lot of barking and had no bite, and that's about as best a description of the game. Um I need no name, had some points about it that we agree with that I just want to relay. Um, he said the first half was bad. And basically because oh. there was a massive gap between Kerrer and Hoffman and Poland kept exploiting it every single time. And in fact, I'm going to switch it over to Ryan to tell us, does he agree with this observation? What went down in that first half, Ryan, on the Kerrer-Hoffman side? It was... It was tragic. The 5-3-2 that Poland played, especially with double Shemansky in the middle, if they just couldn't handle it because Kimmich and Chen were completely outrun in the middle. And even when Wertz and Musiala came short to try and receive, they got completely cut off because one of the centre-backs would just step forward. The three at the back really worked for them because Havertz was constantly tied down and Musiala and Wertz just could not break through. And despite the fact that Hoffman and Henriks were pushing up early, Bartosz Berezinski and Jakub Kaminski did such a good job at tying them down without having to break position. And Germany just could not break the deep lockdown. They were completely out of ideas. And that's what caused like a completely uninspired first half from them. It was tragic to see. But I think we saw some more positive things towards the second half when the shape sort of shifted because the personnel shifted too. And I think you can explain more about that. I don't think the the improvement was that much, although more chances were being created. I was really impressed with what I saw from Malik Chow. And this is something that I Need No Name also referenced when we were talking in the first half. Um, I was very, very impressed. To me, if there's any bright spot that Germany comes away with today, it's him. I don't really... There are just too many midfielders on the pitch. There are too many defenders at times. There's no rhyme or reason to what Germany looks like for me. And even with Bayern, that last disastrous stretch as the season was coming to an end, there was more rhyme and reason to that than there was to Germany and has been to Germany. And we'll get to talking more about Flick's future in a bit. But Rianta, what are some of the improvements you saw in the second half? And what did you think of Germany's overall shape in this game? 
the shape, I think it's very different to the kind of 3-4-2-1 we were expecting because even with Nagelsmann and Flick's earlier 3-4-2-1s, we saw this the centre-back right in the middle push forward a little bit, sometimes playing as a 4-6 to try and add some dynamism and some verticality to the movement. But we didn't see that at all. So sometimes what we saw is we saw Theo, we saw him dropping back and we saw Kimmich coming into the hole and that just defeats the point of the back three because the back three refused to stretch out early in the game. Rodiger and Kehar, they stayed narrow. They stayed in the half spaces. They didn't stretch Poland out. And this combined with the fact that Lewandowski and Jakub Lashikovsky decided to press together, it completely constricted play and it forced Rudiger to go long, which we saw so many times earlier on. But towards the second half, we saw Rudiger and Kehar come wider, especially Kehar. Kehar got a lot more adventurous, especially with Hendricks moving over to the right side and Robin Gosens coming on. And in fact, he was a huge improvement too, coming down the left. He was a lot more narrow. He came in, he was a lot more direct. When Kimmich picked up the ball, Gosens was always ready to make those runs forward. And that was a massive improvement because it allowed Kimmich to look forward and not just have to play with the centre-backs, which again is not something that you know we should be doing with a three-at-the-back system. That should be liberating our midfielders, not forcing them deeper and deeper to try and resist the press. We saw this with the movement of the front three too. Havertz was a lot more direct in his runs. He was trying to get on the end of Rudiger's balls rather than earlier on in the first half where Havertz sort of aimlessly chased them after Rudiger had already kicked it. The movement was a lot more fluid. There was a lot more, it was a lot more instructive than previously. You know, we've seen even at the World Cup with the three at the back system that Love employed, but there's still so many holes in this. There's so much disjointment. There has to be a lot more automatisms that have to be developed. But that just can't happen in international football. You don't have that kind of freedom and that kind of time. So there's really no clear way to develop that. But I think there's still some problems. And I think you can extrapolate on the problems that we saw in the second half too, especially with our chance creation. I think now, now that you bring up a good point about how in international football, you can't really develop automatisms as well as you can in club football. I think a big problem with Germany is Bayern underperforming and the core of the team not being as Bayern oriented as it normally is, which has led to Germany now having to actually perform like an international team. As for as long as I have watched Germany, maybe like I would say there was a point in the 2000s when this wasn't the case, but the majority of time, the core being Bayern meant Germany almost functioned like a club side. Whatever Bayern did, Germany did. If Bayern played a 4-5-1, Germany played a 4-5-1. Bayern right now there is trying out this back three and there's no not that much rhyme or reason to it either. One thing about the back three, like you were mentioning, when it doesn't work well, Kimmich has to drop in. Which leads me to the question, why not just play a back four, which would probably just complement Kimmich best? And another thing that I constantly scratch my head about is why play Havertz up top? Why not play full crew there and stick Havertz behind him? Would, do you it's think that's something a, that would work? It's such a bizarre decision to play Havertz up. And I agree with it completely because it's not like we had players like Zane and Gnabry from minute one you know, these players who run off the back of a false nine. We had Musiala and Betts, who, I mean, they're creators. They sit behind a number nine. So to play Havertz, it was it was paradoxical. You obviously have to play full crook there to try and play off of them. It was a system that was never going to work. And we saw that it never worked because the three of them just did not know how to interact with each other. They weren't forming triangles. They were trying to form 
you know, squares and rectangles using Chan and Hoffman. And it was such a strange and disjointed attack. There was no link up. It was just passing and passing. There was no fluidity. And to talk about playing the back four, I think we need the right personnel. And to an extent, we do have the right personnel in players like Tilo Kela and Malik Tio, who are most comfortable in a back four. But when we play a back four, there just seems to be this sort of, you know, this reluctance to push forward, especially from the fullbacks. The right back, Benjamin Hendricks, when he plays right back in a back four, sometimes he just refuses to come forward. We saw this at RB Leipzig too this season where the majority of Leipzig's attacks came down the left, despite the fact that David Raum has not been trusted with attacking duties a lot of the time. It's because Hendricks is very reluctant to explore further you know, forward areas. And that's part of the problem. Because Germany is almost relying on Kimmich to do everything, whether it's out wide or from deep or advancing forward. Because let's not forget... We are looking at a Germany and a Bayern side that are looking to advance Kimmich further up the pitch. But you can't do that if you're still forcing him to pick up the ball from deep. Emre Chan is meant to take that role, but he's just not. Kimmich is still receiving the ball from the centre-backs rather than receiving it from Chan or the wing-backs. This is not how tactical coherence works. You can't have it both ways. And to extrapolate on your point about Bayern and uh, Germany having two different types of setups, we can see that clear as day here. Because Thomas Tuchel and Hansi Flick have very different ideas about how to develop, uh, build up play from deep, or how to press, how to attack, how to set the teams up. And it's showing. Because the Bayern team doesn't know what to do with Tuchel's more patient build-up systems. And the German team doesn't know what to do with Hansi Flick's, you know, gun-ho, you know, no-frills, uh, zero-patience attack. And it's, it, the, the dissonance shows. And I, I think it's a, it's a key point that the players have to try and figure out or the management has to try and figure out how to reconcile these two systems in a way that the players can uh, find it not jarring to go from one shirt to the other. I I think there is still hope for the future. Mm -hmm. I think there is still hope for the future, but if there's, we have to work on this now. Just listening to you there, I have a question for you. Where do you think Kimmich fits in best in the Germany lineup? Do you think it's at the six? Do you think it's further forward? Or do you think it's a fullback in a back four? In the Germany setup, I think he works best as a number eight behind a back three. But that back three has to be properly implemented. This is not the way to do it. This was a tragic showing in the form of a back three. The wingbacks didn't know what to do. The centre-backs were too narrow. They weren't offering themselves as build-up options. There needs to be a lot more cohesion. And Emre Chan needs to do his job too. At times, he was completely invisible. There needs to be a proper partner for Kimmich if he wants to play as a number eight. Why not put in Kimmich and Goreska and try their combination? It's it's not worked very well for Bayern this season, but I don't really think that's down to Kimmich and Goreska themselves as much as it's down to the changing system compared to when Hansi Flick was there, compared to when Nagelsmann was there, compared to when Tuchel was there. So I don't, I also don't think, yeah, go ahead. I think it's an idea. I think Goretzka and Kimmich can still work behind a back three. Obviously they cannot work behind a back four. We've seen it at Bayern. It just does not happen, but it can happen behind a back three. And I think you're right in saying that. But there needs to be some systemic changes. You can't rely on Kimmich to pick up the ball from deep continuously. But I do think if you have players like Schlotterbeck playing, players like Ginter playing, who can advance the ball, who can play as fullbacks essentially, 
then it will be much easier to run that double pivot. Yeah, go on. Why do you think Flick constantly sticks to playing Carer? What does Carer add to this setup? I think Philo Guerra is an interesting hybrid role. He's played both right back and center back at Schalke and PSG. And it's because he has he has a unique set of skills, one that we don't have in the Germany setup, which is that he isn't a defender who sticks a leg in immediately. He's a more patient defender. We saw it when he played fullback at Schalke. He would sit back a lot. He would let wingers go wide and then just block the cross. He'd let them go wide, block the cross. Go wide, block the cross. Every time. He wouldn't let them cut in. He'd just keep showing them the wide area. And we saw it today too. At times, Piotr Zielinski was completely zoned out to the wide areas. He could not come into the centre. And when he did, Kimmich was there to stop him. That's the one thing that Kera brings to the setup. But outside of that, he's not an impressive ball player. He's not physically impressive. He's not very good in the air. There's a lot of weaknesses to him. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of weaknesses, toward the front today, Hansi Flick decided to go with both Wirtz and Musiala. Later on in the game, he introduced Sané. With both Wirtz and Musiala, they dribbled, ran into traffic. Dribbled, ran into traffic. The way that this team was set up, I don't think benefited either Wirtz or Musiala, who are much better than what they showed today. Also, when Sané came on, it seemed like he was trying to do too much on his own. There was a moment where I remember the ball was just like, I just I expected a cross to go in. And he dribbled and dribbled and dribbled. And tried to cut back until Poland just took the ball off of him. And that was that. And that was so predictable what was also so predictable about germany today was you were never going to beat poland with half-hearted crosses and full krug alone in there was not going to hold off all three of poland's um back line if you were going to do that you needed marius wolf in the box you needed some more tall players in the box you needed more accurate deliveries so let me let me put this to you then what was the best way for Germany to break Poland down that they did not make use of? They needed different profiles, I think. I mean, that's quite an easy thing to say. But I mean, I mean not just different players, but I mean they need to fulfill certain roles. Uh, Havertz, Musiala, and Wirtz were all trying to play the same role. They were all dropping between the lines. They were all trying to play off of each other's backs. And there was no real sense of you know, I'm going to run off your back and you're going to play a one-two with me. All three of them were looking to play the final ball. None of them were looking to get on the end of it. And what you said about Sané, that was so frustrating. I was I was ready to punch my monitor when I saw him just holding the ball for no reason when he had two players on him. He tried to stick wider to try and drag Jakub Kivior out of position, which I can commend. But it didn't really work because what ended up happening is Jakub Kaminski and Piotr Zielinski would just two-on-one him and Zane would refuse to pass it back to Hendricks for some reason. So he'd get stuck and lose the ball every time. I think you were bang on in your in your um, mentioning of that one incident because it's an indictment of Sané's mentality of having to take everything onto himself. But I think maybe pairing Havertz with Fulkrug and having Fulkrug as the guy at the top of everything, that would work better. I think for now, Wirtz is unfortunately better than Musiala for this setup because Wirtz is someone who can uh, play crosses from deep and he's he's 
better as a playmaker in general. Although Musiala, I would still say, is the better individual. He's capable of magic, but Vets is the one who can play with others better. But I wanted to pose the question to you of what can we do about our, about our wingback problem? We so clearly have a wingback profile problem, but we seem to be not able to get a proper solution, whether we play a back four or a back three. What do you think we can do about that? I actually prefer going back to a back four and at least having one side of the back four covered with Kimmich. We'll figure figure out the other side. But I think I'm probably in the minority here, but when Kimmich played at the back, that's how that's when we won the Champions League. And I really think that's Kimmich's best position. I don't I like him in midfield. I don't love him in midfield. He he has a Tony Cruz like problem, which Real Madrid figured out, which Bayern didn't at the time. 2012 Champions League final. Okay, I should never bring this up, but well, I have to in this case. Schweinsteiger and Tony Kroos were the DM pairing. And Kroos is not particularly press resistant, and Schweinsteiger had to go to bat for him consistently. In Real Madrid, this is taken care of. And I think Kimik has a similar problem to Tony Kroos. He's very, very, very talented. And I know this beggars the question that wouldn't his talent be wasted at the back? No, Germany doesn't have any kind of fullback right now. And in a national team setup, you go where you're needed to. In Bayern, it's different. You can buy players in national teams. You only have what your system produced. And this is all Germany have to work with right now. And, you know, maybe somebody will develop at Freiburg. Maybe somebody will come through at Stuttgart. We'll see. But at least for now, let's switch to a back four. Let's put Kimmich on one side and let's experiment with the other. Um, you know, let's try flexible players. You know, Jonas Hoffman is a great example who can play basically everywhere, but struggled today. So I would give it a go and see where it ends up. What would you do? Yeah, with the with the back line, with the full back problem. Yeah, I think you've pretty much got the right idea too. I think I'd play Yozo Kimmich at right wing back or right back in a back four. I think that would be where he's best used because we really do not have a proper right back. Jonas Hoffman's very good as a wing back and as a right midfielder that he played at Gladbach this season. But I'm not sure he would produce the same performance as playing in a back four, especially if we are already struggling defensively. And our left-back options aren't exactly ideal either to have Hoffman on the right because our left-backs consist of David Raum and Christian Gunter and Robin Gosens. And all of these guys are guys who are more familiar playing left-wing back in a back five. So, yeah, I think Kimmich is the answer to the right-back problem. Maybe stick a more defensive Nico Schlotterbeck at left-back if we really need to. He has the strength and pace to be able to go forward and he somehow is really good at crossing a ball, which you'd never expect from a tall centre-back. So he could work, but it's a very out-of-left-field option. Yeah. Which beggars the question. Um, yeah, we've had the we've had the discussion about Germany's talent level, but for a long time, in the early 2000s, Germany made a lot with the very little that they had. The 2002 World Cup ran, oh my goodness, it was Balak plus plus 10. Balak Khan plus 9. 
basically. <laughs> and somehow they, and Miracles has scored a handful of goals at the group stages, but, you know, he was still coming up. Yeah. And they, they pulled through into the final. Um, didn't do well in the Euros on the other side, but 2006 comes. Jürgen Klinsmann, who has been a disaster at any kind of job after that job. He takes over and you have a you know hardworking, gritty, kind of young, but not that young Germany coming in. And semifinals, 2008 Euros. Tor- I don't know how much you know about Torsten Frings. He had a season at Bayern way back when and um, didn't succeed. He was okay. I liked him. They had him in midfield and somehow, you know, it, it worked out and they made the final of the Euros and they lost very narrowly in that final. So it's it's in Germany's DNA to make do with the small amount that they have, except now their talent level is a lot higher than it was in the 2000s. Ever since 2010, Germany's talent level has been high. It's not as high as 2014, but it's still quite high. Which beggars the question about Hansi, Hansi Flick. What are Germany going to do? Do you think he's at risk of losing his job, especially with the Euros not that far away? I mean, if I was the DFB, I'd have Nagelsmann on speed dial about a short-term thing before he finds his next project. But I, that's not very realistic. I don't think we can get rid of Hansi Flick and then find a new coach who will have a year to prepare for Euro 2024. That's not going to look good on us as the hosts. But I think we have to look at not just our talent profiles, but the profiles of the talents around us. Because in 2014, when Hyoki Love created that gegenpressing team that would run down teams, it was at the pinnacle of Tiki Taka. It was at the time where the 4-3-3 was the most common formation in football. It was at the time where short passing and, you know, not pressing high, but rather constricting space was uh, more of the meta in football. And that's why Gagan pressing succeeded. It's why German football completely ran over Spanish football in 2012, 2013, 2014. It's because those systems were not used to it. But now, 10 years later, everyone plays a 4-2-3-1. Everyone knows what a high press is. These are common facets of the game. They're not exclusive to Germany anymore. We don't have that trick up our sleeve. Everyone has it. So we have to adapt. Maybe Hansi Flick is the guy to give us the next tactical evolution. I don't think he is. I don't think Hansi Flick is the kind of coach that can create a tactical revolution. I don't think he has that kind of mind. Maybe Germany look elsewhere after year 2024. But I think for now, we have to stick with him. Your point about Nagelsmann and tactical revolutions, I actually think Bayern didn't need a tactical revolution and they hired Nagelsmann. Germany does need a bit of a tactical revolution and they hired Flick. Just the wrong guys. It's very ironic, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, not with Nagelsmann, I, I don't think it's as unrealistic as... I, I think there may be something realistic about it because we hear that he's in talks with PSG. We don't know how advanced these talks are, but if by the beginning of next season, you know, he doesn't have a job or he hasn't signed for anybody, this could be a job for him, at least till the Euros and afterward, because um, Nagelsmann just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to come in mid-season. He's, he strikes me as the kind of guy who wants to start, who wants to watch his team carefully. He would never do what Tuchel did, which is come in with like three months left of the season and work with a squad that he's never worked with. 
So I don't I don't think that's completely that that we can completely rule that out. Maybe it might work. With Flick, I think he's a bit lost here. He's tried so many different small things since he started and it just hasn't worked out. And now the, some of the things he's trying just seems bizarre and all over the place. And Flick is the kind of guy who sticks with experiments, who sticks with things he likes, even when they aren't necessarily working. Luckily for him at Bayern, everything he touched turned to gold. And even in his last season, Bayern outdid teams by sheer attacking power. Yeah. So just um, what do you think happens in the Columbia game, Ram? You think Germany get a result there? Uh, that's tough to say. I don't, I think, I mean, Colombia have their obvious danger man on the left and Luis Diaz, but I can't recall what their starting 11 and systems look like nowadays. I can't say I'm very familiar with international football. I tend to take a two-week nap when the break comes around, but where I end up watching old Liga games and crying myself to sleep, but I just, I don't see myself or I don't see flick winning that game because ten, the tendency for Colombia is to sit deep here and the tendency for flick is to continue making small changes without actually thinking of a coherent system that works from top to bottom we've seen this for the last six months he just keeps creating a small change and not actually looking at how it affects everything from top to bottom there is no coherent system there's only what the system was and what he's evolved upon it now or what he's tinkered with now. There is no, this is what I want to do. It's just, oh, I've changed this. Let's see how this works. I don't think we're going to be in for another tactical revolution. We're in for another bout of completely uninspired, disjointed football. We're probably going to see him play with a 3-5-2. I think that's what's going to happen next. We're going to see Havertz and Fulkrug up front, or we're going to see Muller and Havertz up front, and it's going to be disaster. I see Muller up front. I'm just gonna tear my hair apart. I I can't yeah. I can't deal with that. This 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 is like German football's worst like kept secret. Muller does not work as a number nine. Everybody knows this since 2010, and everybody yeah. keeps trying it. Van Hal knew at that time that it didn't work. He stuck Ivica Olic up front, yeah. and to this day, coaches try it. And somebody as smart as Flick, who who has worked with Muller. Even he has tried it. And that, I just with Flake, I just go back to the World Cup a little bit. And well, the way that Germany went out was unfortunate. And, you know, we can all laugh about that Japan incident as much as we want. Germany could have won that Spain game had they stuck full crew up front from the beginning. They they created enough, just outright win that game. Um, Even in the first game against Japan, they created so much, so much. And had they stuck Fulkrug up front, things might have been different. Today, Fulkrug wasn't as effective, but this is not the kind of game that works for him when he has like three center backs on him. That's that. This is not the environment that he excels in. Um, okay, Rand, before you know, before we go off the boil here, any last thoughts on Germany, on improvements, on what you saw today? 
Oh, there really isn't anything. I feel like I come into every Germany game thinking, oh, it'll be different this time. It'll be different this time. <laughs> and it never is. It's the same mistakes every time. I feel like it's deja vu every time. And then I, I write the same article every time. I have to give Kimmich the same award every time. Oh, man, it's frustrating that, you know, Kimmich's average performances lead to awards for him because the rest is so bad. It is. It is garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the confidence of that team doesn't seem very high either as we were going by Sané. So... You know, let's hope for better against Colombia. But I think we can wrap up right here. So everybody, this was, you know, a very sad review of what Germany did against Poland. But hey, we're just trying to tell the truth here because that's how bad it was. Um, this was Brian's debut on Bavarian Podcast Works. You can find him as Siler on the site. Um, so other than that, as always, be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works for all of your up-to-date coverage in Bayern Munich and Germany. Follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works, at The Barrel Blog, at TommyAdam71, at BFWIN, and more. Rand, do you have a Twitter handle? I do, but I use it for other things, so let's not. Okay. All right. So, well, okay. You can find uh, Rand on BFW, and that's where you can also find me, as always. This was Samrin and this was Ran. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and enjoy the rest of your day.